0: She's a known face in the area, and we're so very happy to have her here again. Please welcome Diana Wagman. I'm going to cry. Okay, I have a few thank yous. First, thank you to Skylight, thank you to Noelle. This bookstore means more to me than any other bookstore. Um, It means so much to me. I remember coming here before I had a book published, when it was Chatterton's, and thinking one day maybe I'll have a book on this shelf, just one book on this shelf, or I'll be part of a book on this shelf, maybe just a chapter in a book, but there I am. So that's very fabulous, and I love Skylight. And you should all come here, and I know parking's kind of a problem, but if you call them and order a book, then you pull up out front and they'll run it out to your car. So that's the service they offer. Um, I want to thank so many people about this book. This was a hard book to write. I know that people say to me, oh, it came out so quickly after Karen Feeding, my last book. But I've been working on this book for 35 years. Um, That long ago, I was lost at sea. And ever since then, I've been thinking, I should do something with this story. I should do something, but it was too close. Too close, too close for 35 years. Until finally now, I've written this book. So... um, I feel it was hard. It came out slowly. Um, And here it is. And it's very fictionalized. Very, very fictionalized. That's the only way I could write it. My agent wanted me to write it as a memoir. Uh, You know, because memoirs are popular. And um, I said, but it's not a memoir about anything except stupidity. I mean, we were just all so stupid on this boat and I don't think anybody needs to know that about me. So... um, I'm going to fictionalize it and make it about something. So, um, And there are some people here in the audience who are really helpful. Donna Rifkin and Heather Dundas. What happened to you, Heather? Oh, there you are next to Donna. Um, so many people. I, I could thank you all. So I thank you all. Yeah. CJ, where are you? CJ, over there somewhere. Um, read an early draft and really helped. It's just been... Amazing, everybody's help. All right, so I was in New York last weekend for my aunt's 90th birthday, and it was a surprise party, and luckily we didn't kill her. Um, and there were a lot of her friends there, and she introduced me as, Oh, this is my niece, the writer. And then she would say, But don't read her books, they're very dark. <laughs> And then she asked me about this one. I said, well, I'm coming to New York to read. And she said, well, that's great, but don't read a dark thing. And I said, well, I'll read the funny part. So yesterday I was thinking, okay, I'm going to read the funny part. I couldn't find anything funny. It's very dark. (laughs) So I don't know. I'll maybe tell her to stay home in New York. But I'm just going to read, okay, here's here's the deal. There's a modern day story of the woman that was on that boat grown up. But the spine of the book is this ocean story. And these two young people, Luke and Fiona, were dancers in New York City and out of work and out of money and they got asked to be crew on a sailboat and go from Newport, Rhode Island to Bermuda. And Fiona... Well, Luke said yes right away, because that's the kind of guy he was. And Fiona said, okay, if he's going, I'm going. Although she doesn't know how to swim, and she's never been on a boat before, never in her life. But she goes, and the owner of the boat, Nathan, is coming along, and he's hired two other crew members um, a Dutch guy and um, his friend, Dave, who's never even Doug, who's never even seen the ocean before. So um, this is about they've been on this boat for a couple days outfitting it and this is when they're about to leave. But you can laugh if you want. <laughs> it's okay. Fiona climbed up the ladder to the, oh, I gotta change my glasses. <laughs> All right. Much better. Fiona climbed up the ladder to the deck before the sun cleared the horizon. Her eyelids were heavy and her face swollen from crying and not sleeping. Overnight, she had become Neanderthal. She and Nathan had spent the night before searching all over Newport for Luke. He had gone on an errand for Nathan to buy a spool shackle, whatever that was, early in the morning and not come back. She and Nathan had driven the streets of Newport back and forth, up and down. Nathan had been exhausting, parental, asking about Luke and his habit, "'how long, how she could stand it. "'She had answered as ambiguously as possible. "'He didn't understand, couldn't understand Luke's life. "'And finally, finally, she saw him "'through the window of an all-night donut shop. "'He was nodding off in the back booth, "'a cup of untouched coffee in front of him. "'He looked up when she said his name and took her hands. "'He was wobbly, unmoored, "'his muscles oddly disconnected from his skin, "'but he was glad to see her. "'That was all that mattered.'" Nathan was upset and Fiona kept urging him to be gentle as they helped Luke to the car. Nathan asked him questions but Luke had no answers. A guy in the park. No, no, no. Back at the boat she put him to bed, smelled that metallic tang on his skin she recognized from New York. She told him it was fine, it was all right. she was glad he'd had fun. She lied and lied. Don't be mad, he whispered. I can't wait for you to try it. It's wonderful, transcendent, ambrosia, the stuff of legends. His words slipped and slurred together. She bit her lip, but the tears came anyway. In the dark, Luke could not see. As high as he was, he would never notice. He scratched and scratched. She took his hand, put her leg over one of his. She would be his anchor. You're the only woman for me, he struggled to sit up. Eo! That's her nickname. You know what I realized? His whispers grew louder. I saw it like a sign in the sky. I saw it. I love you. I love you so much. You're not like anyone else. You're the only one I'd ever ask to go across the ocean with me. The only one. Only you can sail my seven seas, be my pirate queen, my mermaid, the maiden of my maiden voyage. Doug in the bunk across the cabin stirred. Hush. Go to sleep, she hissed. I can't. Try. Try. "'Sing to me. Everybody's sleeping. "'That's Doug, the new crew member, right there. "'Please.' "'She breathed a little tune he liked, "'a lullaby about the things she would give him, "'a mockingbird, a looking glass, a diamond ring. "'When she got to the billy goat, "'she stopped and punched him in the arm. "'Billy, this is all his fault. "'It was beautiful Billy who had introduced Luke to heroin, "'skinny Billy, who strangely was strong enough "'to take it or leave it.' Dancer Billy, who now, in his dreamy, giggly way, told Luke to slow down. Fucking Billy, she never swore. But you love me. I, she didn't want to be conventional. He hated conventional. And I love you. Eo. e-o, e-o. He rolled over on his side, away from her. He scratched his arm, his thigh, scratching and scratching until he fell asleep she stayed awake beside him most of the night at one point she turned to wipe her tears and saw Doug's eyes open watching her she shook her head go to sleep go to sleep she had turned her back to him a bleached winter sun was creeping over the horizon it was colder than the day before Fiona wrapped her arms across her chest as she stepped up the final rung onto the deck The boat rocked, and she fell against the open hatch, banging her hip hard. She gritted her teeth so she wouldn't cry again. Why couldn't this boat stay still? She wanted coffee but couldn't make it without waking Luke and Doug. She didn't want to be back in Lola's apartment, but she wanted to be somewhere, somewhere else. She felt depression rising with the sun, a dark red feeling in her head and a knot between her eyes, scratching in her chest as if she had swallowed the dish scrubber. She zipped up her new sweatshirt over her ever-present striped sweater. The sweatshirt was a gift from Doug after dinner before she and Nathan had left the boat to find Luke. Doug had given her the dark blue sweatshirt. It was a nice thick one that zipped up the front and had a sailboat on the back. you're c, c- cold all the t- time, he had said that jacket isn't w- warm enough. Wow, thank you, thank you so much and I hate your sweater. He grinned as he said it. Really? Luke's sister gave it to me. It cost a lot. I really hate it. Honestly, she never would have chosen the stripes for herself. She really did like the sweatshirt a lot more. But she didn't like the way Doug looked at her, his open-mouthed desire. She had Luke, only Luke. Besides, Doug was too old for her. He said he'd be 29 on his next birthday. He loved birds and he lived in Arizona she heard a breathy whistling and Nathan came up through the hatch already smoking a cigarette his hair hung in oily strings he wore the same whale covered pants and filthy sweater he had on the day before and the day they arrived and even the night at that party where they'd met him in New York Fiona could smell his dirty hair and body odor as a dancer she was used to body smelling but they hadn't even left yet "'How ripe would he be in four days?' "'She sighed. "'She did not want to talk to him "'or have to field any more of his questions. "'She followed his gaze. "'A heavy curtain of darker clouds "'was closing in the northeast. "'The wind swirled and whipped under her collar, "'a dry icicle down her back. "'Her eyes watered. "'She felt a pressure on her shoulders "'and the back of her neck, "'the threat of something needing to explode. "'What's happening?' she asked." One hour until departure, Nathan replied. She nodded. The sooner they left, the sooner Luke would have nowhere else to go. She didn't even care about getting to Bermuda anymore. She just wanted to sail away, anywhere that was away. She looked again to the clouds and the ominous sky and thought about the woman in the shop asking, in November? And the master's secretary when she'd stopped in for the weather report, send in your captain? And the old guy at the grocery store, you're crazy to go now. Their words rattled in her head. Joran should go talk to the harbormaster, she said. The secretary said it was important. Nathan gave a hump. Too late for that. Oh, she suddenly remembered. We have to go to the Coast Guard station for the three-day forecast. The harbormaster didn't have it. I'm so sorry I forgot yesterday. I'll take the car and go right now. Doesn't matter, Nathan shrugged. Que sera, sera she reached into her back pocket I did get this she handed him a xeroxed list items necessary for an ocean voyage one fresh water 2, non-perishable food, Three first aid kit, 4, flares, 5, life raft, 6, life jackets, one per person, 7, two-way radio, 8, charts, 9, navigational systems, 10, training in sailing, 11, physical fitness, 12, mental preparedness. Nathan looked the list over. Thank you, he said. Thank you very much. This is very important, and I am going to put this somewhere special. She was pleased until she saw him crumple the paper in his hand and chuck it into the water. My soul is full of longing for the secret of the sea, and the heart of the great ocean sends a thrilling pulse through me. He lit a fresh cigarette and exhaled in her direction. Know any Longfellow? Hiawatha, she said, right? Paul Revere's ride? Bleh. The top 40 of poetry. That's what they teach us. School. He said it with disgust. I was too smart. Bullied. Teased. Always ate lunch alone. Boo-hoo. Boo-hoo. But I showed them, didn't I? It feels so good to be a genius. Nathan looked at her sideways and recited another fragment. With the old kindness, the old distinguished grace, she lies her lovely, piteous head amid dull red hair lovely piteous head. Who's that? Yates, William Butler Yates. I think he wrote it about you. You are kind and graceful, and you have a lovely piteous head. If white instead of red hair, he squinted at her. Your skin is so pale, almost transparent. I can watch your blood moving in your veins there in your temples. You're practically an albino, No, I'm not. I have normal pigment. Blue eyes. I just haven't slept. Your hair really is an unusual color. Absolutely your best feature. She couldn't say thank you. It was more dissection than compliment. You could still skip this, he said. Skip what? Take the bus back to New York. You're terrified. I can see it. Ha! I can smell it. He picked his nose and flicked something into the sea. Your boyfriend, Luke, aren't you worried about what he's been doing? He could go to Bermuda with me, get clean, and fly back to you, a new man. We've talked about it, she said. We each do what we want. So why don't you do what you want and go home? But Luke is going "'Don't you have a mind of your own?' he grunted. "'If you don't use that lovely, piteous brain of yours, it will atrophy. "'Think for yourself. "'I have to go on this trip,' she tried to put conviction in her voice. "'I want to.' "'He gave a toot-toot, mimicking some kind of boat whistle. "'I thought you'd say that. "'Yes, all right. "'Go kiss Mother Earth goodbye.' Bye-bye, bye-bye, he handed her a $10 bill. Get a dozen donuts for all of us. They smelled so good last night when we found your drugged boyfriend, didn't they? She almost fell, jumping from the boat to the dock, teetering on the wooden boards. She was glad she wouldn't have to do that again until the water was warm. She clumped up to the sidewalk, stamped her feet to get her land legs. They were sailing. She took a deep breath. They were sailing today. Nathan was crazy to think she would miss it. Of course she was nervous, not terrified. Anybody would be. She was sick to her stomach, but she was sure that would stop once they were underway. She felt claustrophobic on the boat, but soon she would have the whole ocean to look at. Thank you. Have questions? For Diana? Questions? No, Grant has one. <laughs> yeah. uh, you, ju- you mentioned it, but uh, can you elaborate a little bit about your experience? <laughs> <based off>? <laughs> my <laughs> stupidity? Um, can you? Can I elaborate a little bit on my own personal experience? Um, Grant re- has read the book already and read the acknowledgments where I thank the Coast Guard profusely. <laughs> um, I still give them a donation every year my mother did and for many years and now I do. Um yes, we left Newport Rhode Island um and actually there were more of us on the boat than are in the book um but nobody had any experience really uh, except the owner of the boat and it turns out he'd been picked up by the coast guard twice before. But we didn't know that at the time and you know I was 19. I was I was I'd never been on a boat before. Um, And everything that could go wrong did go wrong, starting with the weather. And we ended up in a hurricane. And then um, the rudder broke. The running lights broke. The generator broke. the um, Oh, everything broke. The radio never did work. So when we started calling for help, there was no way to do that. Um, And then we... Well, you should read the book. (laughs) I think... (laughs) Yes, Claudia. In what way is this book different from any other book that you've written before? Well, this book is more autobiographical than anything I've written. Just because to write those boat parts, I had to go back there. And I really was terrified. Absolutely terrified. And stupid. You know, because as things went wrong, I should have spoken up, and I didn't. Um... And I didn't learn anything, so that's why I wouldn't have made a good memoir. <laughs> um, but um, hopefully the character does. And um, But it was just going back into that time in my life when I was 19 and I was following this boy around and I had dropped out of college and was living in New York, which I didn't even like at the time. And, you know, it was like, it was hard to go back there. And then in the present day story, that Fiona, grown up 30 years later, is going through some things that I also have gone through and in a different way than I did. But that was hard to go back and talk about cancer and things. So, that was hard. So it was hard. And next time I'm writing something fun. (laughs) Yeah, right. That's my husband. Better 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 that I take it out on the page than on him, right? (laughs) Other questions? Yes. Why did you decide to tell the story now? I don't know. I really don't know. Um, Actually, when I went through cancer, that feeling of being sort of swept along and out of control and that you just have to keep going and you just hope you're going to be saved brought up all the boat stuff for me. It was like, oh my God, this feels like the boat. You know, it feels like I can't get off this boat. I'm stuck here in the middle of this sea. And um, so it's been in my mind really strongly in my mind for the past, you know, seven years. So I started putting down little things and then it just, you know, It sort of spilled out, the first draft. So, yes, Lida? You know the old saying, if I knew then, what I know now? Oh, yeah, like Jeb Bush? (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps that's why I was reminded of it. Did you use that, or did you kind of catch yourself like, na-na-na-na? I can't put in if I knew then what I now. I tried to make her a stronger character than I was. Um, you know, they, there is this thing about likable characters. And I didn't really feel like she had to be likable, the main character, but I did feel like she had to be active. She had to, you know actually say things and do things. And she doesn't enough, but I think she comes to do it, learns to do it. So, yes, my guess. Other questions? Yes, Trish. So no ocean voyages for you, no, in the future? I, um, no. (laughs) I get sick on the ferry to Catalina. And the first time we went to Catalina and I sat there the whole time like this um, I said to Todd I hope I like it here because I am never leaving <laughs> <laughs> I am never getting back on that boat <laughs> but I um, so I do the Catalina Ferry that's, I've actually done that about three times now so that's pretty good back and forth that's six right <laughs> but a sailboat never no and I still don't know how to swim so Yes. uh, Hi. 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 How are you? I'm well, thank you. You look great. Thank you. (laughs) What's the difference between writing a, uh, why did you choose to write a fictional version of it as opposed to a personal version of it? Well, I wanted, first of all, I wanted to push it further. It goes much, much further. Oh, and you know, there's a person here I forgot to thank. Dave Feynman gave me all the sailing lingo. He is a huge sailor, and he would go anywhere. So he read a draft and told me they're not ropes. They're lines. (laughs) Um, So I wanted to go further than I did go. You know, we all survived on my trip and um, as I said, learned nothing. But I wanted them to struggle more and learn something. Plus, the modern day story really has nothing to do with me. Right, Todd? Right. (laughs) (laughs) The husband, the out-of-work husband, nothing like mine. (laughs) Um, So have any of the people who were active on the actual voyage read the book? Well, the boyfriend, Luke, bought his copy and sent me a little Facebook message. I have the book in front of me. He said, I'm starting it. I thought, I'm throwing up now. (laughs) Um, But he's been sort of sending me these little Facebook messages because you know I don't want to give him my email address Um, (laughs) all along as he reads this and he says oh I just got to the tuna part the tuna fish part that was amazing it just made me sick to my stomach again and then he said oh and I got to the life jacket part oh I remember that just the way you describe it and so so far and then he did write to me and I said oh I'm so glad you like it I said and he said well you know I don't know where you got these characters. But what, what happens is exactly what happened. But you really put these other people into it. And I said, oh, good. I'm glad you don't see that. Yes? Hi, Did you um, randomly choose to make him a heroin addict, or was he an addict of some variety? Of it's, um, I did push it. Further than it was, but no, he was a. He had, he had an issue. And he doesn't any longer. So that's good for him. Other questions? I'll ask the last one. This yes. Is well, we have to ask, so what's, what's next? What are you going to do now? What's um, something my aunt can read. <laughs> so it'll be light and funny. Um, I'm thinking I've started, Got you know, about 30 pages about a dog catcher who goes out to pick up a dead dog and finds a body. So... <laughs> light! Light! <laughs> humorous. See you're all laughing. <laughs> it's supposed to be <laughs> more fun. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, great. Thank you. Thank you. You've been listening to the Skylight Books author reading series. Don't forget that you can listen to this and all of our other great podcasts at skylightbooks.com. Thanks again for stopping by, and we hope to see you soon.